Welcome to Rogue Boys, the basketball series. Been a couple of weeks off. Hope everybody had a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. And for my Orthodox friends, I know that one just passed a few days ago too. Pro, how was your Christmas and New Year's? Uh, festive, Bogues. Festive. So, no, it was good. It was cool to so unwind and talk to, you know, be around the family and um, just watch a bunch of games and stuff like that. Hey, how'd your, how'd your Christmas game go? I, I don't know if that's on the run sheet or not. How'd the Christmas game go? And uh, you guys played in Sydney, right? Yeah, got the win. Uh, we got 7,000, a little a tick over 7,000 people, which isn't too bad considering it was Christmas Day. A lot of people, it was kind of late notice because we, we only announced it at the start of the season, so a lot of people couldn't plan for it. But to still have 7,000 on Christmas Day for us, for the first time in Australian sport, was a real positive. And what we saw pro from those, uh, I guess, from that Christmas game, we saw a massive bounce on our games after that ticket ticket wise so we've been i think eleven thousand twelve thousand and twelve and a half thousand the next three games after that so um yeah. that's huge we've seen a lot of people say oh we really wish we could have came to christmas we weren't in town but we'll make it up and come to some more games so then they've bought on the other end so i think it worked out pretty well for us um that's kind of the benchmark we'll start off at and then hopefully looks like we're going to get it back next season. I can't announce anything yet, but hopefully we'll get something back similar next season and we can make it eight, nine, ten thousand, 10,000 and make it a tradition um, that we don't have in Australian sport. Like, I, I mean, you know, the Americans, I think, do it great where there's just four games, five games. You can, between each meal, there's a game on. And there's, you just sit back and relax yeah. and watch them. Did uh, financially, you think like that the number of people that went to the game and all that, uh, all whatever else was around it, 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 was it worth it? You think it was a good deal? You think it's it sort of... It's tough because you know, it we'll grow. probably, I don't know exact numbers, uh, to be honest with you, but we'll be, our goal was if we break even by hosting the first ever Christmas game, we'll be happy. I think we're close to that. Yep. But like I said, the, the positives that we saw after that, you can't really factor into that game technically, but we can because we can see it with the, the way our, our tickets have sold. But the problem is... In Australia, much like probably the US, it's almost triple pay uh, for arena workers on that day, right? So, oh yeah, uh, you, you, we get slugged. To, um, so we we pay for that, and that's fine. And, and we want people to you know be able to sure. work on, on on public holidays and whatnot. But that's what, if we're being honest, and people are wondering why sporting teams don't do it, and NBL teams didn't really want to put their hand up, and we put our hand up. That's the reason. So there's a real small piece of fat you got left there to make money on. We didn't look at it so much as a money-making thing. We looked at it as the first team to ever do it. Uh, it brought a lot of free publicity and great PR for us for the most part, and people were talking about it. Whether whether good or bad, disagreed, agree, people were talking about that game. And I think um, – I know the TV number of – I can't confirm it yet because I'm still waiting to get the exact number, but I heard it was pretty good for an NBL game. So, you know, in the hundreds of thousands, which is huge. So, um Hopefully, you know, it'll continue on next season and maybe even a double hitter. Um, so we'll see how that all goes. But otherwise, all good. That's cool. By the way, Pro, are you are you leaving us for Tim McMahon? Is that the word on the street? <laughs> uh, I do not have any job offers as it is, Bogues. If there's, <laughs> you know, I'm a, I'm a rogue Bogues guy. I'm number one. That's number one in my heart. If I'm not good... If I'm not going to get paid for his podcast, I'd rather it be Rogue Bogues than anybody else, brother. <laughs> no, so, Good Pro was on with uh, Tim McMahon last week, was it? Yeah, he called me up and he said, hey, you want to talk about Luca?" And, you know, I'm like, cool, I'll talk about Luca." But it's like, 
you know, I was with him for like one year, you know what I'm saying? And that was like four years ago. But he just wanted to talk about like perspective and what I saw early and stuff like that. Wanted to talk about that. It was pretty fun. I always like, like talking about it. That the biggest thing was not swearing. I think I, I took one swear in like 40 minutes. And it was like the first like two minutes I got it. But then uh you know, it was very unrogue bogish. So yeah, we don't beep I, you I out. We don't beep you out. But for those not familiar, Team Commands a beat reporter with, or was with the Dallas Mavericks, but now he's ESPN, I believe, isn't he? Um, so, or, uh, or a bit no, of both. Yeah, he was always ESPN. Always yeah, ESPN. Always but ESPN. kind of more, 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 always been more closer to Dallas, even when they were bad. He yes. Because he's local there, correct? Yeah, he's local. And um, he covered Mavericks first. Like when, when I, I never really knew who he was or what he did. I, I you know, read his stuff once in a while. But, you know, when Parsons came around, when we signed him, that's when he sort of like came, well, came around a lot more. And then as his job expanded, I think he did like Memphis, Utah, Houston, and like on top of the Mavericks. And now, that was when the Mavericks are sort of going down and sort of popularity a little bit with like, you know, as far as, you know, how the team was and whatnot. And, and then when they got Luca, I think he sort of started doing more, you know, back to more Dallas stuff. So, yeah. Makes sense. All right, let's get rolling. Team of the weeks, bro. I don't know if you've done your homework, but I have. Uh, I'm going to go first. Oh, wow. Yeah, of course, that <laughs> fucking backhanded compliment that you fucking throw at me. I appreciate that, you asshole. No, I said I but don't know. Ahead. You might not have. You've been busy. Um, but yeah, I'm going to kind of do uh, over the last couple of weeks. So you can either do that or the last week, but because we've been on a bit of a hiatus, I'm going with the Brooklyn Nets. They are rolling. They're the hottest team in the league right now. Just got a win today. They're now 10-1 and one in their last 11 uh, they've tightened up their lineup, uh, which unfortunately has seen our um, Australian brethren, Paddy Mills, go completely out of that lineup. He's, he's DNP CD most games, coach's decision, so he's not playing a lot anymore. KD to get hurt today. Um, someone fell into his knee. What happened, Bobs? Really I didn't see the play. I just saw some tweets. Um, I haven't seen the actual video. I didn't want to really look for it, to be honest with you, because I don't like looking at that stuff. Um, if, no, I if, don't if it just shows up, so be it. I'll click it. But if I don't go searching for it. But he, um, I think someone fell into his leg. So people are saying just, just his standard kind of could have just be an MCL type sprain, maybe, you know, two, three, four weeks. Nothing too serious, hopefully. But, you know, he's, he's in the running for the MVP, which we'll talk about a little bit later. But he's, he's having a hell of a season. Kyrie's just looks like he's bunkered down and just got on with life um, and hasn't been distracted for him for a while, probably the longest longest he's been out of the news off the court in a while, which is great. And they're, they're rolling. Mm-hmm. They're, like I said, Claxton's playing real well for him defensively. Always thought he was a you know really good rim protector, really good paint protector, and, and, and he's getting better and better. Simmons still up and down offensively, but he's you know, he doesn't – the beauty of this team, like, at least right now, Pro, he doesn't need to be offensively inclined. Um, mm-hmm. when you have Kyrie and KD, you can kind of defer, you can concentrate on ball handling duties and, 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 and defense. This will come up in the playoffs though, Pro. I don't know what you think about it, but they, they, he's going to have to find a little bit more confidence offensively uh, that he has because it's going to come up in the playoffs where they hack him. It's going to come up in the playoffs where teams are going to really scheme, whether it's Kyrie or KD with the ball, just get off him and make him throw it to Ben and make better make a play. So um, right now it's not hurting them, but they're balling right now. Got to give them a lot of credit. They they were my dark horse pick. If you remember at the start of the season, mm-hmm. I thought yeah, that was, it was. They, they yeah. were my one kind of 
Hail, my Hail Mary team was probably them if they could get their shit together and it looks like they're getting it together and amazing what a coaching change can do uh, when players buy in and the coach kind of probably has a different voice and, and you know, is, is a different voice than the last coach you had and, and they're rolling. So I got to give them some credit, Pro. What are your thoughts? Well, folks, what do you think the problem was with Nash? Was it just like- Too many TikTok videos. Too, too many TikTok videos. <laughs> are you are you shitting me? Or are you are you serious? I was from I used to see all these random dances he'd be doing on TikTok. I did see I did see a lot. And of I was just like, dude, you, not from the head coach, man. Sorry, not not, not in my book, man. <laughs> you, you can't you can't then walk into a locker room and demand respect from KD and Kyrie. That's just my opinion. But um, I don't know what changed. I mean, you know, I think this is all set up for failure when when KD and Kyrie had that. Uh, that Instagram live and said, shit, we're going to coach a team anyway. <laughs> it was kind of, yeah, it was yeah. due from that. But look, I mean, Steve Nash, from all I hear, very nice guy, not really a rah-rah guy, more of a give you a hug kind of guy. And I don't know, with those guys, you can't be one or the other. I think you kind of got to be in between. You got to be professional and, and every now and then kind of go at him, but also hug him. You, you can't, you can't, you can't be too extreme. And I think he was maybe too nice of a guy for that, that group. Whereas I see, Jacques Vaughn and he's he's he, he looks like a no nonsense business type of guy, Spurs guy. Um, came through that that program at one time, so I don't know. I think maybe there's not did Nash get dealt a, a bad hand as well, probably. But that's that's the beauty of the NBA. You could you could be a Hall of Fame coach X's and O's, and and if the guys don't like you, you're out of the league within a year. You know, it's 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 just the way the league goes, folks. Right, like Jacques Vaughn, his tenure with the Orlando Magic ended very quickly. I mean, the team was a joke. It wasn't good. They were young. It, he had a lot of problems internally. And then all of a sudden, like, he then just goes away, you know, was scouting with, I don't know who he was scouting with, the Spurs or somebody. And then he got back on the bench. And then now, obviously, he just found his way back. Hey, look, they're a good team, man. I mean, you know, I, I think – Obviously, with with the dynamic of like Durant and and Kyrie, and then everybody sort of playing their role. Like Nick Claxton's just fig, you know he he just he knows. Like, look, he plays a role. He rim runs. He rebounds. He plays out of the dunker, and that's what he does. He doesn't try to do anything too much, and the guy's going to get paid handsomely for it. I mean, he's a big part of their team because of the energy that he gives. And then guys like Royce O'Neal and uh, Watanabe, you know, is playing really well. And, you know, TJ Warren's finding his legs. It's uh, it's an interesting group. And, and and Simmons is doing what he does. Seven, you know, what eight, what, eight, seven, and six. And, you know, I think it will become an issue in the playoffs. If he's not, you know, like if I'm him, I want to shoot a thousand free throws in games right now. And it doesn't matter. Like, Get all this stuff out of the way and just let it let it pass and just keep shooting free throws and keep shooting free throws. Go one for 10, go 0 for 12, because like you're going to have to face it on a bigger scale in the playoffs. So might as well do it now. I remember when like I, I, I've said this a million times, we had Rondo in Dallas, like like I wanted him to get to the free throw line when he was like shooting like 45 percent when he got to us. And we worked on a shot and he got high arc and he was actually doing all right. But like the only way he was going to do it in the playoffs, it was if he got fouled during the regular season and got them all, got all those misses and bad nights out of the way. And then he could build off that. And that's what Simmons needs to do. I think they're a good team. Uh, the East is a beast. I think they're going to, I think it's going to be tough for them. I don't think they're physical enough to match up with like Boston or even Milwaukee, but I think that, 
you know, they could definitely make a they could definitely make a run in the you know a little bit of a run right here. You know, they're number two if they could just stick with it. But I think, you know, I think they could beat almost anybody in the East. I think Boston, like I said, will be a tough matchup for anybody. But I think that uh I, yeah, I like I like what I see out of Brooklyn for sure. Ben is at forty one point three percent currently from the line. I think he went almost two months it was a month and a half without shooting a free throw so he definitely doesn't want to get there um, he doesn't, and look he doesn't need to get that to 80 I think you know if he can just get to 60-ish where he's not you know where he's not afraid to get there um, I think that's plausible and just back to your um, you touching on the coaching stuff there's a strategy or a formula like uh, if you've got a young team like Utah who mm-hmm. reportedly have a great head coach right now right um, mm-hmm. could he coach Brooklyn I don't think so Go back to your Jack Vaughn point about him being with a young team that's all over the place. Then you go vice versa. You get a, a coach that's coaching one of these star teams like a Jack Vaughn and put him on a bad team. It doesn't work. So what I'm trying to say is sometimes these all these these teams with all-stars, KD, Kyrie, you just need someone who's decent, can communicate, and keeps things simple. You don't want a young up and coming coach with that squad because it's gonna it's gonna come to a to an end eventually. And vice versa. With a, with a, a group that's bad and kind of lottery picks, OKC, Utah, yeah, you want a young, driven coach that's going to motivate them. So for those out there thinking, how to, what's the difference? Well, that's the difference. You know, it's just it just is what it is. You, you can't have those young, energetic, up up early every day, yelling and screaming coaches. Not not in a bad way, just just passionate energy with the star started teams because they're just going to tune them out eventually. Whereas you need that with a younger team. So it's it's an interesting dynamic in the NBA, and you always see that with with the bad teams that are developing, usually have a young up and coming coach. They ever rarely have pops, probably the only one right now that's stuck on a, on a young developing team, but you don't usually see that. So just an interesting note. Who you got this week? Folks, I'm going to go out of character and I'm going to go with the Indiana Pacers. Oh, wow. Eight and two. Yeah. Eight, eight out of their last 10 folks. You look up with those guys and they're in every game. Not, I mean, they could beat, they beat almost anybody, not like juggernaut teams, but they take care of everybody below them. And they looked right now, like we had them probably bottom barrel because we probably thought they were going to, they were going to tank or blow it up right now. Yeah. Right now they're sitting tied for sixth with New York 22 and 18 with that group where like we thought that, you know, we thought that Turner was going to go south and want to get out. You know, we, we thought all these things. And those guys are scrapping, and they're beating legit teams. Like I said, eight out of their last ten. Halliburton, you know, all-star numbers, 20 and 10. They got the probably the second-best rookie in Matherin from Arizona, who's averaging 17 and four, mostly off the bench. You know, Buddy Hill's playing well. They're getting good play out of Isaiah Jackson, Jalen Smith. Um, they just got a tough scrappy team and i think this is a team that carlisle is best with like under like sort of like no big time star in their team even though halliburton's put up numbers i don't i don't really consider him like a top 10 top 12 player so it's somebody that he doesn't really have to cater to he could just do what he does and just just sort of coach him and they're good look i told you we're not best friends so, you know you know i i you know, like I said, we're not on each other's you know holiday list, but um, I will tell you, he did. He's done a hell of a fucking job. If there was a coach of the year right now, I'd probably say he's a he's a you know he's sort of the front runner for it, just for what he's done with so little talent. 
and uh, they're doing well. What do you think about them both? Have yeah, they are. Like, they, yeah, a little bit. Yeah, they 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 stay, they do stay in games. You look at the scores and some games. I think today they were down a little bit early, and I thought, oh, they're going to get lost tonight, and they they not come back and winning. So they they're always in the mix. Good balanced roster. Um, Matherin, like you said, just a, a little pit bull off the bench. Not not afraid of anybody. Comes out and plays hard. So they got a good mix. It'll be interesting to see what they do around deadline. They have a, a few assets that teams are interested in, in Heald and Turner and whatnot, whether they make that move or whether they just say, you know what, we, we, we might be a top six seed. As it stands right now, they're half a game ahead of New York um, in six. So, you know, and the way Miami's playing – you don't see them really jumping in at the moment. So um, that spot might be up for grabs if they can, you know, I guess that's a question for you, Pro. If you can escape the the plane and you're Indiana, do you take six or do you still, you know, try to blow it up and, and rebuild again? Here's the thing, Bogues, and I, and, I, and I really truly believe this. Nobody wants to go to fucking Indiana, right? Nobody wants to go to Indiana. So, like, if you're going to tank it for the, the, you know, the French kid, if you're going to tank it for them and you have a legitimate chance for it, then obviously that's going to be a no-brainer for anybody. But for them, if they don't get the kids, say they say they tank it out, and I don't think they can No, why is it now, bro? They're, not, they're a ways away from Detroit, yeah, Charlotte. Like they got no chance. Exactly. And Houston's got 10 so wins. For, yeah. So for them, I'm, like, I'm literally saying, Bogues, to my guys, look, like, you know, for Halliburton, he's the Michael Jordan of that town right now. It's rolling for him. Matherin, they got him for his rookie deal. You know, Buddy Heald and Miles Turner, yeah, you can deal him. Maybe you can get something. Maybe you can't. Um, I don't think the Lakers, you know, from what I've been told, and I don't know if we're going to talk about it or not, but I've, I've heard this multiple people saying from the inside that, that they literally told Polinka, you're not dealing those picks. So, like, if you're not going to get something like that where you can get big time assets to move you forward. You, then no one's going to come there in free agency. You're going to have to overpay bad players, players that aren't worth it. Like they got a good group right now that they could pay and they could keep guys in like Turner. Okay. So Turner may not be the happiest guy in the world right now. Maybe, maybe it's, he's a lot better than he was a month ago, but he's playing 30 minutes a night and he's at 16, like 17 and eight. Right. Like Buddy Hield is gets plenty of shots. All these guys get plenty of shots. Carlisle's an offensive minded coach anyway. So he's not doing much on the defensive side. He's going to do it all on the offensive side. All these guys are getting like starters minutes to get an opportunity. Like if I'm Indiana, I'm like, all right, what are we going to do right now? Because if you blow it up, right, you're talking about another five or six years of mediocrity. Right. And then like, like, and then where are you headed for there? You have this Halliburton deal going. Right. And I don't think he signed an extension yet. I think he's still up for an extension. And to my knowledge, again, I might be wrong on this, but I think he's still up for it. So like you still get that in the wind where he could, he can go south on you if you blow this thing up and he's a bunch of young guys. He's going to lose and get his head, you know, hit, you know, his head kicked in. You got a good team that could be like top six for them. If I can get out of there at six seven every year, I mean it's not perfect, but like six three is the upset usually too, right? So six three is usually yeah. the college, right? It's, and, a, and, it's one of those. And you, and yeah. you got yeah, and, and Carlisle's got plenty of experience in the playoffs. Um, you know, if you're there at six, you never know what's going to happen, right? And you got this team, like I said, Matherin. You don't have to extend for a while. He's going to be with you a, a minimum of seven years. 
right? Halliburton, you could pay him more than anybody. So you're going to have him long-term unless something really bad happens. And then guys like Hield and Turner, you could, you know, I think you can get those guys under bird rights. So uh, Turner, you definitely can. And I think healed because they traded for him, they can. So they could sign those guys long-term and have this team that competes. Because in this league, folks, let's be honest, there's only four or five teams that really compete for the championship every year. Everybody else is just trying to find their way. And for GMs to save their jobs, they basically just like, they rebuild every other year they're fucking rebuilding. Like, oh, we're going to rebuild. Because you know why? It Like, that's what the, that's what, the media wants to hear we're rebuilding. We're going to get a, tre- a treasure trove of, of draft picks. We're going to get pick swaps. We're going to do this and that and follow the models of like Oklahoma city and all these guys that do that. But there's only a couple of teams that can do it. And I think like Halliburton's the best they're going to have. Like as far as a player stature, you might as well build around them with good role players that like can really produce and you could really, and do some things with and then who knows like maybe you're good enough where then you could acquire like if if Matherin really takes a a next level step in his development and you get this really great backcourt of him and him and Halliburton right like maybe a third guy that's a big timer wants to come to you in a couple of years if you get things rolling if you develop some of your young players and then you just sort of have this like hard mat mindset and then maybe you do that because if you keep trading away and keep trying, look, if they were terrible, I would say, yeah, do it for sure. But right now you're at six. Like you're not going to reach those teams in the bottom. You're going to have to get really lucky. I would just say, fuck it. Let's just roll with these guys and go forward. That's what I would do. I, I, w- I would not blow it up at this point. And I've heard that they don't want to blow it up. I've heard they want to keep it rolling or what they're doing. Yeah, it would be interesting to see. But yeah, I agree. I would, I would stay in that, in that six spot. If you can, because you never know what can happen, um, especially in the playoffs, injuries, matchups, all that kind of stuff. Team of the weeks, weak team of the week. Uh, I almost had Toronto in, but they're a late scratch. Uh, they got a win today, so oh. I'm going to give them a pass. I'm going with the Phoenix Suns and our guy Landale. Yeah, me too. Um, mm-hmm. They are 2-9 and nine in the last 11, and they look horrible and and saying they're dysfunctional would be an understatement they they just do not look good cp3's out again i'm hearing deandre aiden's all but checked out mentally um and that's not from jock people so that's from uh, a friend of mine in the league office that knows what's going on around the league since the extension has been um yeah just just kind of nonchalant about things which is interesting in itself um if that's going on and and just just yeah, just not a great. You, you can see like if you know if I didn't get word f- about that, if I didn't get word about this from different people, um, you can see it on the court with the Suns. They, they don't look like they look like they don't like each other at the moment, um, and it's probably been like that the last two or three weeks, even when CP3 was out there, and it looks clunky, it looks finger pointy. We kind of mentioned it before the holiday. Um, and it just it just does not look like it's going to get better. And you know, Booker and CP now they got to kind of tread water while they're not playing well. Can that happen? Um, they've fallen down to eighth in the standings. They were first at one point, bro. Remember that they were uh, first in the West mm-hmm. at the start of the season. But they've they're falling down into you know they're below five hundred. They're they're twenty and twenty one. They've lost six straight. And that's going to continue. Looking at their schedule in the next couple of weeks, especially with the injuries. So. They're they're only you know half a game above the Lakers who are in eleven, so they're they're getting in dangerous territory. 
and it's a different team than, say, a Golden State Warriors who are around about the same record, but you just know that Golden State's going to get healthy. They're going to get together. Steph's going to come back. I, I think Golden State's tread water pretty well considering the injuries they've had the last the last three or four weeks with Steph and, and all that kind of stuff. So, And then the rest nights, so they've been okay, and they'll, they're used to this kind of float around 500. We'll step on the gas in February, March, and prime for a playoffs. The Suns could go the other way, man. It could, it could end up being a... 30-odd win season the way they're going you know high 30s low 40s maybe max just because it just looks it just looks shitty so they they get my official nod for the last couple of week hiatus we've been on for week team of that pro what do you got yeah I get the same Bogues I, I can't even go anywhere different like where am I gonna fucking go am I gonna go to Houston for the night well, Toronto Toronto has been pretty bad too they, they were before today's game and the win they got they were the fifth worst record in the league just so you know people forget you know you look at the West as well you look at them as a whole they moved up to sixth worst record with a win today but they've been pretty awful as well so they were definitely a candidate out east but uh, Phoenix you know people will say oh Booker's out CP's out but this has been brewing even when those guys were kind of Towards towards just before their injuries, and and you know, Bogues, like, and I've I've said it before. I'm going to say it again. Like, what are you doing with Jay Crowder right now? Because you need a leader on that team. And to me, I don't think they have. Besides, obviously, you know, Paul, Chris Paul, but they don't have an alpha dog that could keep things obviously in check. And Jay, I've been around Jay. I've coached Jay. I've had other guys that coached Jay after he left in Dallas. Like Jay's a tough dude that, you know, would want to fight you, will keep, you know, keep everybody in check, call people out. And you need that right now. They don't have a dog right there in there anymore. You know, Aiton's not that dog. You know, Cameron Johnson's out. Booker's, Booker's more of like a gamer. Like he's, he's more like a Paul Pierce. Like when I was in Boston, like Paul Pierce wasn't that vocal leader. Maybe he was after I left, like in the championship years, but like, in those early years, it was like more Antoine Walker. He he just sort of just he he sort of like Dirk. Like Dirk just like did his thing. He wasn't like a vocal guy, like you know, getting guys revved up. And they need that, and they need somebody that's going to kick some people's asses. And I don't understand why right now, especially with Cam Johnson out, you know, for the year, you can't just say, "Hey Jay, come back, play it out. We'll trade you in the offseason if we need to." But like. You know, if we can't work this out, but why not? We just play. Um, that's the only, I mean, they don't really have a lot of chips to play right now. You know, you're not going to make any trades. I, maybe they trade Aiton. I doubt it. Um, but I think that there's really not a lot of chips to play. If you look at that second unit, you know, like either, either salary fucks them or just they're not good enough. You're like a guy like, you know, Jock, right? He's not making a lot of money. So even if you wanted to trade Jock, right? You're not getting a lot back because now you have to like put salary behind Jock to make a, a deal work for good players, right? Um, and plus you'd want to keep him anyway, but like Damon Lee, Shamit, Cameron Payne, you're not getting a lot there. So the only trades you could make I don't think anybody's taking Chris Paul off your hands right now for the money he's making. You're not trading Booker because you're you're rotating around it. Bridges is your guy you probably want to keep. Maybe you trade Cam Johnson, but like I don't think there's really any trades they make. So I think that Jay Crowder is like their guy that they could come in. And I'm not saying he's a superstar or anything, but he's something different and something that they might need. But right now they're not looking very good, man. I can't, you know, with the with the injuries and the internal stuff. I can't really see them coming back now. 
I think they'll they'll go over 30 wins, but um, I don't know if they're going to go totally shitter in the tank, especially if Booker comes back and Paul comes back and plays. But um, yeah, it's not really looking good over there, man. It's not. It's not. They're uh, they're going to be in the bad bunch if they if they do happen to make it. It'll probably be a plane. Um, I don't think they they will. I think they're going to be around. I think best case they're low forties. Um, I mean, I don't think they'll be in the thirties, but I think they'll be you know. 41, 42, 43 maybe if they're, if they're lucky. I just don't see them getting on a massive run. I mean, I I don't know. I just feel like it's hard. Even if you get Devin back and you get Chris back and they're healthy, and there's more problems in that locker room than injuries, as you know. And that's my concern that, you know, you can flip that switch if you're a good cohesive group. That's, my, that's why I bring that point up against Golden State. They can flip that switch pretty mm-hmm. quickly. Everyone buys in. Everyone's healthy now. All right, guys, come on. Let's, let's pick it up now. Like no more bullshitting. When I think if a few people said that in the Phoenix Suns locker room, there'd be some eye rolls right now, you know. So that's kind of what I'm banking that on. But hope I'm proven wrong. But they've they've come on quite a a fall from uh, quite a fall from grace from where they were a few years ago. So that's been um, pretty hard to watch. Donovan Mitchell pro seventy one points, um, unbelievable. Yeah, Did you? I mean, I saw I saw the stat line. I, I thought it was a mistake. Not only that, we had Luka Doncic. With 60 points, 21 rebounds, and 10 assists against an, a Knicks team who, by the way, Pro, I don't know if you saw the end of that game. There's no way in the world they should have lost that game. Like, that was such a, like, prototypical New York Knicks loss. They, are, they, were, they were up huge with, with three minutes left, four minutes left, and then still up double digits, I, I believe, going going into a minute left, and then they they, they go they pull it to overtime, and, and obviously that helped Luca's stat line, but 60, 21, and 10. Uh, Clay's also found his stroke. He had a, he had a 50 ball um, the other night, so some crazy stat lines when we took our little break there, bro. I, cu- I couldn't believe it. Folks, we've been talking about it for months, if not more than that. It's just like... Everything rule-wise is for the offensive player. Everything. You know, they, they, they're going totally scoring, scoring, scoring. I mean, look, you know, if you look at it, I mean, I, don't, I, I haven't had the numbers to back it up. But if you look at it right now, there's six guys averaging 30. There's, you know, 15 guys averaging. Actually, there's like 17 guys averaging 25 or more. I mean, that's a lot. That's a lot of points and a lot of scoring. And with the amount of fouls and guys getting to the free throw line, I mean, it's just, you know, with a three-point shot. And, you know, like we could actually start a, a side conversation about a bunch of these – well, two other things we could start about conversation-wise. About, you know, from the scoring, there's so many huge leads that are, are you know, are – beaten like guys get like big leads with three minutes left up 14 and they lose it i mean I, i've never seen it in the last couple of weeks and plus free throw blockouts folks i mean i think every nba coach last week was like fuck it and just like did an hour and a half on fucking free throw line box yeah. i've seen yeah. about three or four in a week that you know it seems like every late game like every late game a need play yeah. someone misses a free throw and they kick it out for a three or, or two more free throws or an one or something um how about those 19 assistants you got behind instead of trying to draw up 88 bullshit plays that don't fucking work anyway how about you come up with some box out drills that you could fucking you know you could actually add value to your team instead of like you know instead of drawing up those tricky plays and doing those tricky drills 
you know, for, for Instagram. Why not like, hey, why don't we work on fucking free throw box outs today? Yeah, you know, that, I that mean, might help. it is a problem, bro. I, 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 this is why the whole, when, when players start eating into all-time scoring list, all-time rebound list, all-time assist list, I don't think it's fair. Um, on the older players because one, you got the three point line, which came in at when they're coming pro. Come on, when, when was the three point line in? Give me the, give me the, give me the like uh, 70, like 79. So you got the, that's a problem. But number two is mm. like you look at the scores back then and they're 80s, 90s, 100s, maybe 100s was a good night. Whereas now, every yeah. night you, you got teams scoring, someone scored 150 the other day in regulation. I can't remember who it was. Yeah. Um, and of course, your scoring is going to be inflated. So you know, when, when people talk about all-time scoring list, all-time rebound, you've got so many more opportunities now. And I'm, I'm not saying it's, it's easier said than done, but to compare Karina Abdul-Jabbar now to LeBron, who's going to break it, yes, LeBron's done some fantastic things. And, and you could argue the first half of LeBron's year was in that, you know, rough and tough Eastern Conference basketball, which was in the 80s and 90s. But now it's gone the other way. The Lakers, what are they averaging? 100, 105, 110 points. They often score in 115s, 120s. And... So you, your numbers are going to be inflated by that. And I, yeah, I agree. I think it's hard um, watching and, and just seeing defenders not be able to defend whatsoever. Like they get no no benefit of the doubt. Even even good defenders now get get pulled up on – if you're an all-league all defender and you've got a good rep, you, you could get away with some stuff back in the day. But it's it's just – it's hard. It's, it's so slighted towards – at, at the least, get him to the free throw line so points are going on the board and the fans are engaged, right? Whereas it's it's not as grinded out. But then what happens in the playoffs, pro? The referees, t- you know, they loosen that whistle up. They let a whole lot more go. And then players rightfully get frustrated. Like some of these stars that are getting 15 free throws and maybe six or seven or eight of them are bullshit ones that where they're drawing the contact or flopping. And now the refs aren't calling them and the players are like, what the hell's going on? You know, now, now this is, this wasn't the regular season for 82 games. Now you're not calling them. So players do get frustrated, but it's hard to watch yeah, in, in Spurs pro. And I think that's definitely contributed to, to the high scores. You can't fault the player. They're only doing what they can, but um, I, don't, I don't know. Is this, is this sustainable long-term to just continue to allow this much scoring when, when, you know, the real, real kind of knowledgeable fan can see if you follow basketball or the NBA for 20, 30, 40 years, you can see what's going on. You know, you can see that it's, it's, it's strategically made to score more and they know they do, you know, the NBA has all these analysis and AI and data and all this kind of stuff about fans like scoring, fans like scoring, you know, if it slows down, they change the channel. They know all this stuff. So they want more scoring, but if it's done out, you know, if it's done artificially, not naturally, I don't know. I don't know if that's sustainable long term. Folks, I, I, I'm telling you, I think most of the people that go to these games, I think most of the diehards stay home. I think there's a lot of fucking, I think there's a lot of people who go to the games that just want to fucking talk, you know, shout shit at players, fucking take selfies and get fucked up. I don't think that, like, I think they just want to see all the scoring. I don't think they care. I think that, like, the product of the league, look, like, we could, like, we could holler about it all the time. I, you know, I tell you multiple times that I'm a EuroLeague guy more than the NBA. And it doesn't matter because these TV contracts are still coming up with $5 billion or whatever they're at. The BRI keeps on going up. Like there's no, there's nothing stopping the NBA about how it's being played right now. And they're like, fuck it. Let's just keep going and keep going and keep going. And then think about it, folks, right? There's like 800 people at every team that works in, in analytics. So like, 
you know, they keep on feeding it like you need this analytics and you need it. And again, it's a lot of it's, you know, it's good stuff, no doubt about it. But like everything's sort of pushing towards more scoring. Like nobody wants to go back to, you know, the, the grinded out days. And that's what it is. And that's what our game is. And look, I don't really fault LeBron and some of these other guys like Steph and stuff with the three point line. And then like all these data guys like, pushing it where you got to push the pace and you got to push the tempo, more possessions, more scoring. And that's what they want to do. I don't think like the NBA is listening to diehards. I don't think they care about the diehards. I think they care about whoever's going to their games. Can people continue to pay? People continue to go. People continue to want to watch this like 190 point games. And that's, that's, that's just sort of what they want. And yeah, I mean, it's, yeah, it's it's weird to watch. And then like my job with my clients is to sort of break down everything they do offensively and defensively. And I spend more time on the defensive side about showing hands, not fouling, you know, and, and because they're going to call all these hand checks that it's not allowed and just trying to get those guys sort of relevant on that end. So they're not getting a lot of these cheap fouls early. It's, you know, you got to keep studying it. And I'll tell you what. The players today, it's not necessarily better than 20 years ago, whatever. I'm a big back-of-the-day guy. But one thing these players are today is a lot smarter offensively about drawing fouls and how to sort of create. And even the role players can do it a lot better than that that were, that were done. Now, the shots are terrible, and they take a lot of fucked-up shots that they shouldn't be taking. But creating space and getting you know defenders up and, and fouling and things like that, they are a lot better these days. They are... You know, they study in this stuff. They're they're working on stuff that they would have never worked on 15 years ago. And I'm not a big fan of it, but it does help when you're trying to create space and create shots in an NBA game. And um, yeah, yeah, it's I don't changed. Think it's, it's, it's changed. It's it's, it's yeah. you know the, the game. And I think the, I think every era. I mean, I know you're an old school guy, but I think every era gets better than the last. That's just me because I, mm-hmm. I think the game progresses. You know, society, science, technology, recovery. You know, all of a sudden, even, you know, probably 10, 15 years time, they won't be on on jets coast to coast five hours. It'll probably take three. You know, you know what I'm saying? So I think as everything progresses, I think players get better. A fundamental is better. Maybe you can argue that, you know, but then again, there is those highlights of, you know, guys dribbling up the left-hand side with their right hand and the ball pushed out in front of them. So um, I think some of the fundamentals have changed, but I think players today are still very, very highly skilled. You can't take that away from them. All I'm saying is that the rules and the league have, have definitely sure. um, wanted to make this more high scoring. But is it really that when you look at it? I don't think so. It's it's not natural. It's forced. It's a lot of free throws. It's a lot of, you know, and then and then people might say, okay, well, how did someone score 130 and there was only 15 free throw shot? Well, because they don't want to foul as well. You know, that, that's a mental thing as well. So all of a sudden you're guarding someone, you don't want to foul either. You know, when you when we guard a James Harden on a scouting report, we we're taught to whether you're a big, whether you're the small guarding him or the big coming up in, to, in the ball screen, do not show him a hand anywhere. Like, don't put a hand in the vicinity of his body because he's going to reach through and take your arm up with him. So we we, we drilled that right. So to yeah. Pro's point, that wasn't really something that people thought about back in the day, and it's gone it's gone on its head uh, today. But yeah, it's interesting, interesting topic to see. Love to hear mm-hmm. some some feedback from our listeners around. You know, those of you that watch the NBA, how, how you feel? Do you like the the highest scoring? Do you not care if it's kind of forced a little bit where they're giving guys a bit more leniency with with calls and free throws and having players shoot 20, 30 free throws? Or would you rather be 
honest calls where they're only shooting eight, eight free throws a game and it's much more of a grind, but ends up being, you know, if it gets to 100, so be it. But uh, let us know. MVP discussion, pro. Who you got? Who you got right now? Give me your top five for MVP. <sighs> It's pretty easy. Top five. I think it's pretty easy. Yeah, top yeah, top five for for MVP to me would be I would say Luca one, Tatum two, Durant three, Giannis four, Embiid five. That's sort of what I got. No Jokic. Okay. Jeez. Jokic is right there at six. Yeah. I mean (laughs) the number that's a tough one. The numbers, yeah, then like to me, the numbers with an Embiid and, and, and Jokic, they're really close. And like now, I guess you could say on one end, Jokic's team's doing better. On the other end, like Embiid's 33, 10, and 5, where Jokic is 25, 11, and 10. You know, um, it's close, man. It's it's close. I've got for the me. same. I've got the same. I just, I have uh, Embiid not on my five. I've got Jokic instead. Um, mm-hmm. I think Jokic is going to get hurt by the fact that he's won two in a row. If he hadn't won two in a row, He's averaging a triple-double right now. I'll, I'll check while we're talking. But if he had him one, two in a row, I reckon he's, he would be a lock this season. Um, I just think the fatigue is going to play a, a factor with him and the voters, um, which is unfortunate, and it is what it is. But that's just the way the way these things go. Um, Tatum's been great. Yeah, so Jokic is on 25.3, 10.8 rebounds, 9.5 assists. And I believe his clips are... Uh, Phenomenal. Um, he's at he's at sixty one percent from the field. That's on fifteen attempts, pro. He's just under thirty seven percent from uh, from three, and he's eighty one from the free throw line. So I think he's up there. I, I can't call it. I honestly can't call it. I think I think KD is a huge chance. The way they're playing, injury might hurt him now. I think Embiid's hurt by the injuries. Giannis still is in the mix. Tatum, of course, Luca and Jokic. I think I think it's those six. Just a matter of who you like more and who you don't. I think Luca's got a very, very big chance as well. But it'd be interesting to see if they can hold on with this record with him getting his rest nights and whatnot. But if Denver finish first and Jokic continues, ends up having a, you know averaging a triple double or close, I think he deserves three peat in my opinion. Um, but these things are a popularity contest at times, and it's yeah, it's just going to be interesting to see how the voters how the voters sit. And then Tatum, let's not forget, best player, best team, you know, best player and the best team, you got to think. And right now they're they're sort of sitting there, you know, one of the best teams in the league. And, you know, they, they went through a little bit of a rough, rough patch like 10 days ago. But, you know, and then you got to think of that. I don't think Tatum's an MVP. I think he's definitely in the conversation. Um, I just, you know, I, I think what Luca's doing is ridiculous and, um, and then let's let's not forget, you, know, you get Giannis in there that we haven't really spoken about. And, he's playing really well. You know, he's sort of yeah, he's playing real well too. So um, yeah, Tatum Tatum's you know. thirty, basically thirty one, eight and four a night. So he's got much more scoring than the other two guys, um, but not you know not not as not as efficient with with his rebounding and assist assist or playmaking. So one question, I was having a debate with some people online, pro. Um, not a debate. Oh, are you debating with people? Not a debate. You're debating with people not, not, not really a debate. I just put my two cents out there. I, I think there's two types of MVPs, pro, and I think there's, I think there's your MVPs that play within the realms of their team, and they just naturally end up being an MVP. And I'll give you an example: Steph Curry, especially the first one that I was, I was involved with him in that first MVP he had. Um, ended up going back to back, but that first MVP that. Uh, 
both of them, it was just within our system. It was, it was, there were, there were, you know, he was, he was the MVP and there were stretches where he didn't score for a quarter or didn't score for 10 straight minutes, right? Because he, he, he was playing within the realms. He knew I'm going to get my three or four minute burst here soon because they're concentrating about clay. Bogues just got a lob. Draymond just got a dunk. You know, Harris Barnes hit a three, whatever. Eventually I'm going to, I'm going to get my run going. He never really pressed for, for his numbers, right? Um, and then you've got the guys that do press for numbers. And I guess what I want to tell the people is real players know, guys like yourself would know that have been around the league. You can tell the difference between someone who's pressing for the, for a trophy, uh, individual award, and someone who's just getting it naturally within the confines of a system. And I don't think there's many in that top five or six. Um, I'd have to look a bit closer. Um, some people brought up Tatum coming into a game a couple of nights ago where they were up big to get his numbers towards the end of a game. I, I didn't see it. Someone who, who was that, folks? Someone said, someone uh, posted uh, posted a reply saying Tatum was put into a game a couple of, you know, last week where they were up by 20 with five minutes left. He was put back in to get some numbers up. So, um, but for the most part, those guys go about it. Some people have said Luca is in that category of, of going after his numbers. My argument would be who else are you throwing it to on that team <laughs> um, to get to get you a bucket? Yeah. But that, I, yeah, yeah. I, don't, I don't agree with that. I don't agree with that though. But, but I don't. It, I don't agree with it that. It can look because he's because he's still he's still passing the ball. But but I think the best example of it to me on this team probably Giannis and Jokic. To be honest, are the two best examples out of those five or six where they just play within the realms of their system, and it's just it's kind of like music going on, like a classical symphony. Everything's just all pistons are firing, and you look at the stat sheet, and they have thirty five and twenty right. Um, not saying the other guys don't do the same, but I think those two guys stand out for me where, you know, they just continue within their system and there is a difference. And I, I know in the NBL, there's some, some NBL MVP talks hearing up and uh, gearing up. And there are some players in that league that are, that are clearly that are in the MVP running that are clearly pressing for that award. It's, it's for players. It's, it's pretty obvious. Um, and I will always take the guy that, plays in the realm of the system and, and and still ends up with their numbers because they're the most – and you're winning, of course. You know, if you're floating around 500 and you're putting up big numbers, okay, it's great. You keep your team alive. But I think you got to win. you got to be handsomely over 500, in my opinion, for a chance for the MVP. And that's just kind of – I don't know what you think about it, but I think there is a difference in, in the two. Yeah, it's tough. You know, unless you're in that building, it's really tough to know, you know, what – what that player is really doing, like with Luca, right? Like, hey, Luca to me is mostly about winning. Like, to, like he's just trying to figure out how to beat teams and, and win. And look, there is a certain flair to the game where people want to put their stats up and things. It's it's financially for them, it's stature to them, you know, no doubt about it. But a lot of times, you got to carry a team on their back. And you know, like Luca, like we talk about, like who else is he going to really like? You know, if he's not going to be the one, he's got to he's got to bring it every night. It's sort of like if you watch American football, it's like Tom Brady right now, like Tom Brady with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. He's got to he's got to hoist up like 400 yards for them to even have a chance to win. And it's the same thing. Like he needs to put up his 35. Um, you know, Embiid, like you know, I guess he's got Harden and stuff. But like, if you're that good and you're putting up numbers. 
I mean, I don't know. It, it, it's for me, it's a hard thing to sort of prove, you know, that you're you're truly after. Like, I think it's more those scores that aren't really MVPs, but they're scores like guys that put up 25 a night or 24 a night, but they're jacking up shots. Guys that are chasing assists, like you know, versus guys who could just naturally get 12, 13 assists because they got vision, or the guys that are just trying to get, you know, trying to get assists. I, I don't know. It's hard. There are those guys, though, definitely that chase their numbers. But um, I don't know. It, so you're saying in the top five or top six, you don't really see that? like in the Not as much. I mean, mentioned. there's an argument for Tatum based on that, whatever game that was. But over the course of a season, I haven't seen that too much. I mean, obviously, the guy, look, all these guys want to put up good numbers. Don't get me wrong. I'm just saying there's, there's, there's a difference. You can sometimes see it creeping in from a selfish point of view when there's MVP votes in hand, you know, ready to be ready to be cast, right? Where where guys are maybe in a game right. later than they should be, or there was a, a simple swing, swing, and they won't swing it. They they want to hold it and get to the free throw line. Like that's when you can start to notice that they're thinking about, you know, I need these extra points or assists. And and there are guys notoriously in the NBA. Um, one of them, uh, you know, one of our Australian friends is playing with one that will not pass you the ball unless he knows you're going to shoot it. That happens too. Literally, he will create mm-hmm. create a play. He will throw it to somebody who he thinks will shoot, has a better chance of shooting either a three or a dunk or a layup because he's going to get the assist. If there's a swing, swing, you know, they, they chart the hockey assist in hockey, not in the NBA. They talk about it in the NBA, they don't chart it and you don't get paid by it. So right. if, if, he, if, if you make the right play, which is to someone, and then they make the next right play, they get the assist. There's there's players that hate that. I want I want to be the one that creates it. I want to get an assist. And that, that comes down to what Pro said. It comes down to dollar signs on your check. It comes down to bonuses. It comes down to sponsorships. And that's just the unfortunate reality. But um, the MVP one's always been an interesting one for me to see when, you know, especially mid-season, once you start, at least in the NBL, they start talking about, oh, this guy should be an MVP. Oh, this guy's in the running. And you see them change their game a little bit. I, I notice it. I definitely notice it. I, I have noticed it in the NBL. Um... But that is what it is. Uh, by the way, Pro, uh, our good friend Kemba Walker, we gave him the kiss of death, didn't we? <laughs> yeah. He's long gone. <laughs> I gave him two. Yeah, I gave him two. One, one we talked about him. And second, I picked him up on my fantasy team oh. after he scored like, tw- like, what, 18 or 20 that in one night. And then it, he was never heard from him again. So I cold apologize world. in advance. It's a cold world in the NBA. But he had that one game. We spoke about a great comeback. At least he's back on a roster. Can he sustain being a scoring guy off the bench? And four days later, he got cut. Anyway, trade rumors. Christian Wood on the block. What are you hearing from Dallas? Um, I think it's just going to come down to extension numbers. And look, well, he declined it, right? He's declined the extension on record. I, I believe he has. And mm. I, I haven't I haven't really read into that, but I've I heard it was somewhere in the neighborhood of seventy seven million. Maybe I'm wrong on over that. Over four or five. And uh I think it's over I think it's over five. But mm. again, I, I haven't really done any homework on that. But I I have I have read that that it's like seventy seven. And for them, I'm not doing it if I'm them. For sure not. Because look, they're in a very delicate situation, just trying to I'm not saying Luca's going to leave. I'm just saying, like, to just to put players around him, the best possible players around him to be successful. Like, and right now, you know what Christian Wood is. Like, Christian Wood's having a really good year. No, no doubt about it. Probably one of his most productive years as a pro at 17 and eight. But like, you look at him, you watch him play. He's not the answer. You know, and then if you're going to eat up cap room, giving him like, and again, like 18 million, 17, 18 million dollars a year isn't you know, isn't like astronomical for a center, but you need 
you need other pieces that you could spend that money on. And look, it, it's better to it's better to let him go and and like get a chance to get somebody else versus like, you know, he's not like a Jalen Brunson type where like, yeah, you probably should have kept him and he could have really, really, really helped you. He puts up good numbers and he's decent. He's a good player, but you know, he's challenged mentally a little bit when he plays where like he, he's not right place, right time, defensive stuff, you know, messes up a little bit. Like I'm not really eating my cap up, you know, when I could probably spend it other in other places that can give you real value. Like they need shooting. Like to me, they need to, they need shooting that guys that could shoot, but also score. And they don't have that. Like Reggie Bullock and, and Dorian Finney-Smith, they shoot the ball. They're good players, but they're not scorers. They're, you know, Dorian's a, a lockdown defender. They can make shots. Dimwitty could score, but they don't They don't really have that. And, you know, and so I, I think that they're not going to sign him. I think they'll probably look to trade him. I don't or, – or just sort of like let the thing run out this summer, maybe sign a trade or something like that, but – I don't really see a huge trade market for Christian Wood anyway. Like I see protected picks. I see another contract around the same sort of type of player. But what else are they I getting? Think, like, that, well, that's your point. Like what yeah. else are you getting back right now? And we know Luca wants to win. They're in fourth or fifth right now in the West. So they're going okay. Um, Luca's yeah. somewhat healthy. I think it was a rest night for him. But yeah, I agree. I don't, what are you getting back unless it's something drastic other than a few picks? Maybe they say, we're not going to extend you at that number. And this is maybe just a a bargaining um, negotiation by both sides. But um, interesting one that's popped up basically since the start of the season, to be honest with you. He's been in rumors. And we go on to, to Miles Turner also. He just, he's declined his extension. That's no surprise. And Jordan Clarkson as well has, has declined his extension offer. So... We'll see what they're what they're looking for. Um, I think Clarkson could be very valuable for some teams, but depending on what that number is, I mean the teams that probably could use him most probably can't afford him off the bench, bro. Yeah, I mean Clarkson's a really good one. Um, you know, he's a good player. He could really score um, for sure. I mean, guys putting up twenty a game, he could score. He could you could shoot the ball, but like where they're going as a team. He's probably like, look, man, I, you know, I've done this. I'm, I've made some money. I could make good money somewhere else. They're trying to, you know, they're trying to rebuild. You know, maybe this is not where I, where I want to go. Uh, I want to stay. He's been there for a little bit, and you know, I think he's. Hey, look, he's given them a lot of good, you know, good times, you know, in his career there, and a lot of explosiveness. I think a lot of t- a lot of teams would probably want him. Like if I'm the Mavericks, I'm, you know, that's a guy like, a talking about Zach. Yeah, like Zach Levine, they're talking about. Like, I don't. If I'm the Mavericks, I don't know. That's a. I don't know with Zach with Levine's sort of injury history. I I, I needs really a ball. Wanna, no. Yeah, like Clarkson off the bench. Clarkson sort of. Yeah, Clark, you you put now you put Dimwitty and Clarkson together. Like Hardaway Junior has been not very efficient. Oh, you know, he's, he's had a couple of nights. He's yeah, he's been bad. And I think if you can get Clarkson. You know, if you can get Clarkson and Dimwitty together and they could sort of collectively be that, you know, you don't really have that number two in Dallas, but collectively those guys can give you a boost that, you know, give you some scoring, especially in the playoffs that you need. And, and especially if you don't have to give up a lot, if you have to give up a pick, like if I'm giving up a, a future pick 
they say they don't want to give it up because like, you know, they, they, they want draft picks. Fuck those draft picks. Those draft picks ain't helping you in Dallas. You're past that. Yeah, you're past that point. You need real players that can help you today. You know, and I think guys like Clarkson's young enough. You know, he's a young player. Well, not really young. He's 30, but he could give you three or four really good productive years of scoring. And I think that you could, if you put him in the right situation, he's he he's a good, he's a good fit. I mean, there's a guy who shoots you know, 35 from the three. You know, not a, a big time shooter, but he can light it up, and he's much more efficient than, uh, in my opinion, than Tim Hardaway Jr. So, yeah, that's definitely a name that um, that you're probably going to hear. I think Podol too. I don't know if he's on our list, but I think Podol is, is a guy that you're going to, especially they're trying to lose. Um, I think Podol is a, a guy that I'm really looking at. Like if I'm Dallas, I'm looking, I'm looking at Podol and to see because he's a shot blocker. He's a guy who could pass. You know, you could run things through. Or someone out, anyone um, out east. <laughs> anyone out east. Yeah. You, know, you got to go through and beat yeah. most likely in either the, the second round or the third round. He'd be a good pickup. What about Bradley Beal in your, what about Bradley Beal in your opinion, Bogues? What, what's your thoughts on oh, that? Well, I mean, Washington don't look like they're, do they, they scratch a plane maybe? That's probably their best case scenario. Um, I don't know what he's in. What, what's he hurt with right now? Nothing, nothing, a, nothing long I want to say a hint. Hamstring or a groin, yeah. I want to say one of those two. He's been in the rumors since the offseason. Uh, there were rumors at one point that the Lakers were circling um, the offseason. As you just said, they don't want to move picks anymore. I mean, there's someone out there that, that he can he can definitely help. I mean, he's he's a third part of a, of a big three formation somewhere. I think Philly were the other one that were uh, inquiring at one point, but I think their Maxi was a, was a deal stopper for them. Well, there's not much else Philly can give, but he'd be he'd be obviously a huge get to get out of there. But can he stay healthy is the thing. And the final one in all this pro just broke today. We might have a Dennis Schroeder 2.0 in our hands. Did you see this? What do you got, folks? No, what do you got? Fred Van Vliet. Did you see what he turned down? Oh fuck no! What, what did he, he got? He turned down one hundred and fourteen million dollars pro. Um, <laughs> said it's it's not enough. Uh, I'm str- now. I spoke to a friend about this, um, and I said, surely he has a promise from someone else. Like this has to be a situation where his he, his agent is like, you don't need to sign it. I've got someone. I've got money in the bag. So then the follow-up to that conversation was my friend said, well, I'm looking at salary caps. Who, who has money for him? There's not much out there right now. No. Um, how do you turn down $114 million if you're Fred, Fred Van Vliet? And he's had an injury-riddled year this season. They've been bad. Sixth worst record in the league. That's a lot of money to turn down for anybody. So I don't know what's going on there. I mean, my, my, the logic in my head is saying he must have a promise from someone. If he doesn't, and even those promises, Pro, as you know, one trade happens before the offseason, someone gets hurt, you end up in a different predicament than you currently are. Maybe you're not win now anymore, and then you'd make some trade. Oh, sorry, yeah, we're not, we, we don't have that cap space anymore. That can happen too to a promise because a promise is a promise. Mm-hmm. It's not a contract, but 114 mil, what do you think, Pro? I'm going to ask you a question, Bogues. Mm-hmm. Van, Vliet, Van Vliet or Brunson? Who are you taking? Brunson. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, Brunson's at 27 million and, you know, 27, seven. And I think his deal goes down and I forgot the number he actually signed with signed for, but like, would you say 117? He said 114 over four. Yeah. So, I mean, you're, you're looking at a base of 26, 
Okay. Per year. Um, yep. Yeah, so it's like insane. 21, 30, 31. No, nah, yeah, no. Yeah, like 31. That's <laughs> just crazy. Unless you really hate being in Toronto. Well, now, that's the other thing. Yeah, that's yeah. the other thing. But I mean, teams aren't doing great. Yeah, I get it. But you're still paid in US you're dollars. Gonna, you're not paid in that Canadian shit. You're paid in US dollars, I believe. So, <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know, man. I, that's a tough one to me. And, and like you said, salary cap room. Who has Look, it? Look, at the end of the yeah, I, I don't. I haven't really read it, but like, okay, here's my ranking. I got him at 20th at his position. You tell me, all right, you tell me a guy that he's better than. I'll go with my first 19 point guards. And I'll, you probably might pick out one or two late that he's better than. Not better than Don, uh, Doncic. Not better than, right, obviously. Curry, Jean Morant, Dame Lillard, Kyrie Irving, Tyrese Halliburton, Josh Giddy, LaMelo Ball, Trey Young. All right, De'Aaron Fox, Drew Holiday, Jamal Murray, Tyrese Maxey, Brunson, Garland, Murray, Dejon Murray. Okay, Chris Paul at 17, you can probably say that because of age, you'd take Van Vliet over him. Kyle Lowry, maybe you'd take him yeah. over him. Yeah. Oh, yeah, Malcolm Brogdon, you'll probably take him over Malcolm Brogdon, but by not by much. So now, okay, so at best, you're the 16th or 17th best point guard in the league. Like, yeah, it's crazy. I mean, I couldn't believe it. Yeah. When I read it, I just, I just, I honestly, I don't understand it. I don't, I'm not going to count someone else's money, but I mean, it's a lot of, it's a lot to turn down and risk an injury, risk a not bad off season. I'll I'll count it, motherfucker. 114 million. Mm, I'll count it. It's crazy. Right there. It's just crazy. It could be, it could be a, and look at Schroeder right now. He's playing for minimum, right? You know, tail between his legs. (laughs) Just, but just 80, 80 odd million dollars on fire. So hope he has a promise for his sake, but uh, we'll see where that goes in the off season. Just finally with the last bit of news, it looks as though Nate, Nate, McMillan is all but gone pro. Um, it does not look good there. They they continue to lose games at a at a super fast rate. It just looks it looks crappy. It doesn't look good. They've fallen all the way to tenth, four and six in their last ten. They're eighteen and twenty one. They're right on the bubble line with the Washington Wizards. Um, they should still finish above the Wizards. Wizards are still a game and a half behind them, and the Wizards don't look great at the best of times. Near to Toronto below them, but he he looks like he's gone. I've heard him and Trey. Pretty much done, um, and uh, on not very good terms. And we know how that ends. We called that a couple of probably about a month ago now. But uh, I would not be surprised if they make a move uh, by the end. You know, by the end, if they continue to lose games, I think they'll just make a move uh, to try and salvage something out of this season. But worst case, in the off season, he's gone. Well, do we talk about the GM being reassigned? For uh, no. for Golden State, I mean for Atlanta. Is that Travis Schlenk? Did you read that right? Yeah. So he's no longer the GM there anymore. The the guy that I think Landry fails. Oh yeah, yeah, the GM there. Yeah, the former player, right? Yeah, yeah. I saw that they moved. I don't, the, yeah, I don't think they moved Schlenk to some other front office position. Correct, I believe. Yeah. Yeah, they did. Yeah, they just reassigned him. Um, you know, and that and that has a lot. Look, I think it it a lot centers around Trey Young. You know, you you made the trade with Dallas. And like, look, Luke is one of those guys that, you know, it's not like a typical guy uh, pick that, you know, he'd be really good somewhere and then not really good. Like, like Tony Parker, you could probably make the argument. Like in Boston, we were going to draft Tony Parker. Instead, we drafted Joe Forte, who ended up fizzling out. 
Um, Red Auerbach and Jim O'Brien at the time um, wanted Joe Forte and then the front office wanted Parker. So, but like if Parker ever played in Boston, he may never have been, maybe, maybe would have, maybe wouldn't. I think San Antonio was the perfect place for him to build up and be his, his guy. I always tell Dirk if, if Rick Patino, they were going to draft him in Boston and they had it done. And then Don Nelson sort of like stole him from him and traded up to get him to get Dirk. I said, if you played for Rick Patino, you, you would have had no chance. You know, like there are some guys that like need a situation. I don't think, I think Luca could find a situation to win in almost any, in almost any team. But I think when you draft Trey Young, it's not as bad as Vlade, you know, dra- uh, drafting Bagley, being a European guy that's supposed to know Europe and, you know, also knowing that Bagley's not a very good player and you end up trading, you're drafting Bagley over Luca. It's a big thing. But, Trey Young is a big deal because now this is two coaches he's going on. Didn't really have a great track record at Oklahoma in college coming through about being a great teammate or a good, you know, easy guy to coach. Nate McMillan's, you know, one leg out, you know, probably two feet out. So now you're going to, you're going to be on a third coach. At what point do you turn and start saying, I think we talked about this last week or two. Like at what point do you start turning around and saying, maybe it's Trey Young and maybe we got to get rid of him and move on from him. You know, yeah, yeah, it's 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 not good. And that was their guy. I remember when uh, Lloyd Pierce got burned, and that was that was their guy. Got him. They they had a really good run under him. Uh, that first, was the first season or second season. They went to the second, third round, right? Um, during yeah. that that, that Philly, yeah, that Philly, that whole Philly meltdown. But uh, paradise is over there, so he'll be gone soon. Um, and yeah, you just. You kind of knew it with with the with the, with a star like that who's kind of free flowing and wants to play. And Nate's kind of more of a a rara type guy, even though he's toned it down a, a hell of a lot. It's uh, it's interesting. All right, let's move on to Aussie Watch. Uh, not a whole lot going on this week, but uh, Paddy Mills out of the rotation. He's had one game on January second DNP since one game he had two, two and three, so not too bad. But he's completely out of the rotation, so there won't be much from him. I don't think in the next coming weeks. Maybe the KD injury frees up a little bit if they go a bit smaller, but. We'll see how that goes. Ben Simmons, um, 5.6 points, 7.3 rebounds, 6.3 assists, and two steals per game. Not a bad line, but uh, the offense is, is continues to go downhill a little bit. Joe Ingles is back pro, our guy. He's supposed to be supposed to come on our podcast, but uh, keeps giving me the cold shoulder. He's, you know, when we when he had when we had Jock on, we caught, we didn't we didn't stop hearing about it for for a month or two. Oh, how'd you have Jock on before me? And now we extend the invite, and uh, he disappears on us. He hasn't talked to me in like three years. So like, <laughs> he disappeared you know, on everyone. He, he uh, yeah, he, he used went to zero. like hit me up back and forth. Like him and I used to talk the league and shit like that. When he was playing, I think the injury thing, he went zero dark thirty on everyone for a little bit. So uh, trying to focus on his rehab and um, which is fair enough. I mean, it becomes very very daunting those long ass rehabs nine ten months that he was in. But he's back. Sure. Uh, six point this week he had six points a game, two rebounds, and three point five assists, and some immediate shit talking versus the Wizards. As soon as he got back on the court, he got into it with Porzingis and, and basically called him a, a P word, which is kind of good to see. So that means Joe Ingles <laughs> is, is feeling healthy and comfortable when he's back out there talking shit, going after guys. He's feeling good. Matisse is slowly starting to find some minutes. Um, he's playing a little bit more. He's definitely not not getting those spots six, seven minutes. He's getting a healthy, 
you know, 12 to 20 minutes now. Um, not a whole lot of production though. 3.3 points, 1.3 rebounds, 1.3 assists, 1.6 steals. But he had a five steal game today versus Detroit. So that's kind of what you expect from him. But he's back in the rotation, which is good to see. Jack White. G League assignment, so he's not playing in the NBA at the moment. Dyson Daniels, he's fallen off a little bit, probably hitting that rookie wall. But his defense has been phenomenal. Um, he's still guarding at an elite level. Some people that I know that I've spoken to have said he's probably one of the best defenders in that in that rookie class as of today. He's, he's almost at an elite level um, defender as, as he's starting to learn. But he's at 1.6 points, 3.3 rebounds, 3 assists, 1.6 steals. Did a great job guarding Kevin Durant a couple of nights ago. He's Gets up and in, he's long, he's athletic, he's smart. And, and as we've discussed earlier, it's very hard to play defense these days. So he does a good job of it and he'll continue to find minutes just doing that. Josh Green, he's still out. Um, no timeline was the latest update with his elbow injury. It's meant to be a couple of weeks, but it's proved to be a little bit longer. Daly, no minutes, um, but his contract was guaranteed yesterday. So congratulations to Daly. He's grinded out uh, another year in the NBA, another another year to the pension plan and insurance plan, which is always good. And our guy, Jock Landale, um, finished strong today in a, in, a, in, a, in a loss to Cleveland, but for the week, he was nine points, four and a half rebounds and one assist. That's been his best week so far. And the award goes to no no uh, no suspense needed. Josh Giddy, um, another great week, 17 17.7 points, 5.2 rebounds, 5.7 assists. But pro, he is nine for 17, nine for 16 from three this week, pro. So Chip England shot it, and that's who I was going to mention. Chip England. Josh Giddy was on record this week talking about working with Chip England and talking specifically about he was flicking the ball with his guide hand as he was shooting. Now the guide hand is obviously. The other hand that's not shooting the ball that goes on the side of the ball, he was actually, you know, holding the ball, squeezing it too long and Chip England found something and he shot, corrected it. He said, and what I liked about what Josh said, he's had a great week um, from three, shooting a great clip, but he said, I'm still, I've still got a long way to go. So he's still not comfortable with the way he's shooting it and probably not comfortable with the new technique, but he's shooting nine for 16 is great. But as long as he continues to put the put the reps in with Chip England, he'll he'll continue to get better. So that's a great sign for for Josh Giddy because that just opens his game up immensely. Oh, for sure. Like Chip, there aren't there's there's only a few really good shooting coaches in the entire league. Chip is by far the best guy that's currently in the league, and you know he's got a, a he's got a laundry list of guys that he's built up and. You know, I think that that was their their biggest free agent acquisition. Forget about any player they could assign. Getting a guy that that could really help the shot of their franchise player. Because I, I think you know, as good as Shy is doing, I Shay, however you want to pronounce the name, I think that you know, I think Giddy is going to be their guy that, that going forward. In my opinion, at some point, I think they'll either coexist. Or Giddy will be there, and and, and, and Shay wouldn't, or Shy wouldn't. Um, but I, I think that having England there, because that's the one thing that Giddy was really missing is that shot. And getting you know Chip England out of retirement from the, you know from from the from the Spurs to to have him work with him is 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 amazing. And I think if I'm not mistaken, Giddy uh, was like. Didn't Giddy win a bunch of Rookie of the Months uh, last year? Like there was something like he had a streak of like three or four. I don't know. I, I read some stat on Giddy. I forgot. I was going to share it with you. I totally forgot about it. But 
Um, but I think he's really good. And I think with, with Chip working with him, I think it's going to be a, you know, I think it's going to be a really good relationship that, you know, that they, that they could definitely cash in on. I think he'll, it will take him about a year at least, but I think by the end of next year, you're going to really see some, you know, flashes of really good shooting from, from him for sure. Agree. Keep it up, Josh. And that's a, he's fourth Aussie of the week. So Ben Simmons, get your shit together. You should be nipping at his heels. Um, and anyone else wants to make a Josh Landau is making a little, little run with his, uh, yeah, nine and a half, nine, nine points a game this week. So, but Josh, he just receives so much of the ball. Um, and his numbers, you know, are phenomenal. All right, off onto the NBL Australia. Season's firming up here, pro. We've got a little less than uh, around about a month, month and a half left in the season. Uh, about eight odd games left for for everybody on average. Um, I think one, two, and three are set in my opinion. Um, the Kings are first at the moment, fifteen and five. The Breakers right on their heels at thirteen and six. Um, with the game to play, so they're only one game behind, and the Taipans are fourteen and seven. So I think those three teams are going to finish in the top three. It's pretty obvious to, to most people, I believe, unless something crazy happens, they're going to be a top three. Um, there is room to move. There is room for maybe maybe the Breakers to, to jump the Kings. Um, I don't see the Kings falling all the way down to three, but there's only, they're only two games ahead of uh, of the Taipans in third. So it's very very close in that three. From then on, it's tough. Um, you've got the Tasmania Jack Jumpers in four, the Sixers, 36ers in five, Southeast Melbourne Phoenix in six, Wildcats in seven, Melbourne United in eight. Now, Melbourne United are still mathematically alive to make the six, but they're going to need a lot of help from other results. Um, the rest is tough to call, pro. It's all these teams play each other. I haven't done the calculations. I haven't put out all the predictions and all that kind of stuff. We can enter it into into a, on a computer with who you think is going to win each game in each round, and it spits it out for you um, because they all they all end up playing each other, and you just don't know what's going to happen. But this is what you want to see. It's a very very close season. Um, the Jack Jumpers at eleven and ten are in fourth, and Melbourne are eleven and twelve, and they're in eighth. So everyone's really really close. It's going to be a really really fun. Finished the season, of course. Um, for those not familiar, the NBL has changed the format this season. It's the top six, no longer a top four. And the top six means one and two get straight through to the finals or, or, or the semis. Three plays four, four, five plays six, I believe. Um, and then the winner of three versus four moves on. The loser plays the winner of five and six. So it's kind of like a, a playing game. It's just a one, a, a one game series for each round. So... Um, even if you finish, you know, six, you could technically still could get in the finals, but it's been, uh, it's been a really good fun season so far. Hopefully everyone gets healthy. I know some teams banged up. Everyone gets healthy. You want the best players on the floor and congrats to the Sydney Kings. Uh, another title for the Sydney Kings. We are the NBA 2K NBL champions pro. So, uh, oh, a player, nice. a player on, uh, the Sydney Kings, Archie Woodhill beat, Ma- uh, Melbourne United's Mason Peatling in NBA 2K. So, That'll probably be as close you get to a trophy Melbourne United this season, but um, enjoy that. And I don't think you have much that much more success this season. But yeah, that the NBA two K, we know uh, a lot of our, a lot of our listeners love that. So, Boogs, like, so the NBA, they've got real people that like just gamers that it's sort of like an NBA practice. Like they they're a team. Yeah, yeah, yeah esports. So. Hmm. Is this esports or is this just a tournament for with just one players. player on every NBL yeah, yeah, yeah. team? Okay, it was just it. players, just players. But uh, we'll be surprised. I don't know if there's actual NBL. There isn't as of now that I know of an actual professional team. 
Um, but yeah, this was just just I think each player's probably the teams played off for their winner, and then they represent their team to go on and uh, represent the team against other teams. So. Sydney Kings just keep on winning, pro. I know people hate it out there, but we're sorry about that. Um, but yeah, the NBL season is coming down to, to the wire and it's it's great to see. So hopefully, um, you know, more good games coming up. I know TV numbers are going up and everyone's everyone's enjoying the season so far. All right, double. Give you a double shout out, pro. Pay the bills. I'll pay my bills at least so I can then one day pay you. But uh, double is betting. Pay the meets, sound guy. Yeah, double is betting. betting meets social media on double you can follow your friends mates sort the tipsters trending tipsters scroll through trending bets and copy them all in one tap get alerts when your mates and expert tipsters place bets most importantly you can follow me andrew burger all one word i do two or three tips a month or so on on the app for, for the nba stuff i got one right a couple of uh, about a week ago i think it was paying six to one which was good um go on download the app have a dabble Double socially. Remember, you must gamble responsibly. We don't want people doing anything irresponsibly, pro. Not not on this podcast. You got to gamble very responsibly. Useful or useless, pro? A few Luca stats. All right. Sure. If Luca plays 20 full seasons and continues along mm-hmm. this trajectory, he would be the all-time leader in points along with 13,000 rebounds and 12,000 assists useful or useless <laughs> by the way he has broken all of lebron's records up until the same age to this point pro that's from espn stats wow um let's say they're useless because well the useless because of the fact that you never know what's going to happen in the next 10 or 12 like you don't know if he's going to be resting you don't know you know if he takes hits as far as like you know injuries or anything like that but it is pretty useful. I'll sit on the fence on this one because it is useful as shit if you're thinking about what he's done already and what he's done in a short career, you know, to this point. So, you know, I don't really like to talk about, well, if he does this for 20 years, because LeBron was such an anomaly with it. I don't but, think I'll um, go on the record and I don't think Luke is doing this for 20 years. <laughs> no. I think you do it's it for 10 ish. But yeah, I mean, yeah, to do this at 20, LeBron's a freak. Um, but well, LeBron is a complete freak, but it, it's it's eye opening for sure. Like if you look at it, because there's a bunch of guys who could put up numbers, but nobody's putting up numbers like this early on with assists, rebounds, and scoring at this level in this juncture. It's crazy, and you know it's cre- really crazy just to think about. But I say it's useless um, because, like I said, I don't expect them to be at this clip for 20 years. I think, you know, like I said, LeBron's such a, a fucking anomaly about what he's done, you know. What do you think, both? I think it's useful just for the fact that he's beaten all of LeBron's records to the same age. That tells you that he's he's way ahead of where most young players are and he's having a sensational season. So his stats, you pick up a stat sheet and, and see what he's doing. Um, absolutely phenomenal. So I, um, I'm going to go fact. I think it's um, not fact. I'm going to go useful. Not fair. Uh, That's the next uh, yeah. section. I'm going to go useful on this on this stat just because I think he's he's Luca deserves a lot of credit for for how he's playing now. I will say again, the caveat with these stats is that LeBron came in the league at a much slower pace, played against the old school Pacers and Pistons and these this, the Miami Heat, much lower scoring. Luca's come in the prime time to get up big stats, so you got to take that into context as well. But it doesn't take the take away the fact that he's. A phenomenal player, so I'll go fact on that. I'm going to give myself a bit of a plug, bro. I had a friend send me this some some, some data analytics 
right? Mm-hmm. There's, there's a, have you seen this? It's, it's basically, it's how much do they cost for one block shot, right? So it's basically how much does a player cost their team for every time that, that you know, they have a block shot. So it basically takes into account goal tens or uh, goal tens, fouls, swipes, you know, maybe you miss the ball and they get a layup, all that kind of stuff. So, I'm in. I'm in. I'm in there, pro. I'm in the top twenty, um, which is which is very good. Anthony Davis is number one, so he's he's played four hundred sixty six games, one thousand one hundred twenty one blocks for twenty three goal tens, which is pretty good, right? Um, who else in there? Duncan's two, Gobert's three, you got Whiteside, Lopez, Garnett. Um, now there's two Garnets. There's a Minnesota Garnett, and then later on we'll have a Boston one. A Buck is in there. Turner. Walker Kessler's in there at a young age. Uh, he's only played 30 I games. Kid, yeah. yeah, only played 30 games. He's leading, he's leading all bench players in blocks. I think he's got averaging more blocks than Rudy Gobert right now off the bench, which is interesting. But anyway, I'm in there. Andrew Bogut's in there. I'm in there at number 11 with 321 games for Golden State, 403 blocks, only seven goal tens pro. That's impressive, if I may say so myself. Seven goal tens. So um, I was not a... JaVel McGee, Dwight Howard type shot blocker where I would, you know, where a guy shooting from the block and I'd come from the weak side and punch it into the fifth row. I was more a medium at the rim guy. So that explains why I'm 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 doing pretty well. And it also um takes into account recovered block shots as well. So um if you recover the ball from that block shot, you get an extra point for it. So um, below me you've got JaVel McGee, Mo Bamba's below me, Draymond Green and James Wiseman. So little Little self promo, pro. I, I thought that was a pretty cool stat. Just on on, I wasn't a guy that all out chase block shots, and that shows by the stats. But uh, solidified by only only seven goal tens out of four hundred and three block shots is pretty good. Useful or useless, pro? Oh, uh, useful for sure, Bogues. Anything with you in it is useful <laughs> to me. And plus, I want to know: Are you one of those guys who like funded your own study? So, did you have like, did you fund this study to make sure? It's like Fauci, it, man. You- like Dr. Fauci, gain a function. Yeah. I funded it myself. <laughs> it, all, it, just, it all checks I'm- out. It all checks out. I paid all the scientists enough and everything checks out perfectly. Yeah. So, th- just don't worry about these stats. They're 100%, 100% correct. Um, sure. But, you know, a friend of mine sent me this and it's just amazing some of the analytics. I, I didn't even, ha- I didn't even know they had this kind of, anal- I, I knew they have, I knew they, I know they have crazy analytics, but to have how much do they cost for one block? You know, because you could have a player that blocks four shots a game but misses ten attempts and they get layups or offensive rebounds, right? So it's a pretty it's a pretty useful block somewhat if someone's a known as a shot blocker. Okay, let's really break down the numbers. Um, but yeah, some of these stats they have, man, you would you know, how many assists has he had behind his back? <laughs> like whatever whatever it is. So anyway, I'm it's saying It's unbelievable. Oh, it's it's, it's I, I don't even like we say what are they even entering into databases, you know? Obviously StatMuse now has a, everything's gone towards AI for those not familiar with AI. It's getting quite scary um, with what you're going to be able to do in the next 3 or 4 years, but um, everything you can just enter into a computer and it can talk to you like a human being. So might not need you in a few more years, bro. <laughs> Bugs, you're not going to need me in a few more days, so don't worry about it. So I'm not worried about that. All right. Uh, last one. Josh Giddy, second youngest player ever to reach 1,000 points, 500 rebounds, 500 assists. First would be pro. Give me that number again, folks. So Josh Giddy is the second youngest player ever to reach 1,000 yep. points, 500 rebounds, 500 assists. Who would be the first? Luca? No, LeBron. Ah. Yeah. 
yeah, to be the second youngest. It's not, so it's not the fastest, it's the second youngest. And mm-hmm. Josh Giddy is 19 and 326 days to reach that. So LeBron obviously coming in the league when he was 18. Useful or useless? Not useful for sure. I mean, shit, that young doing what he does. Yeah, I, I say it's pretty useful, man. Pretty useful whenever you're in the, uh, in the same conversation as LeBron James for anything. You take it and run, you frame it, you put it on your wall. So, um, and Josh Giddy's playing very, very good basketball right now and really, really excited to see his trajectory and continue to see how he develops and, and hopefully, you know, be part of getting OKC to that playoff, hopefully finals one day. Um, I think next season's the season they're going to start, people are going to start asking some more questions, right? Because they've got some good enough young talent that's been together enough now and they've shown glimpses. So looking forward to that. All right, fact or fake news. Folks, I'm just going to go all-star stuff. You know, I know we'll probably talk about all-stars in the next week or two, but just going to, I'm going to give you three names and you just say fact or fake news that they'll, I'm just going to say so-and-so is going to make the, you know, make the all-star team and you tell me fact or fake news. All right. So first one, Jalen Brunson will make the all-star team. Fact or fake news. I need to pull up some lists or something, man. Um, Who's he competing with? Hey, look, do you want to scrap? We could scrap fact or fake news and we could say this is just fake news, period, and just wait till next week on it. I don't, I don't really mind. <laughs> no, no, we can do it. We can do it. I'm just trying to, I'm going to pull up some teams. Um, so we've got Boston. So you got Tatum's a lock. You got KD, Kyrie, probably got. Does Drew Holiday get in? Probably, well, probably not. My, my question to you is he is an all star, meaning like you don't have to add up guys or whatever. Like, do you think what he's doing is all star worthy? And, you know, and like, we'll, you know, we could, we could throw up some numbers for sure for, for him. 21, um, 21 and six with, with three and a half rebounds. Yeah. Um, I don't think he makes the all-star game. I, oh, geez. I th- cause he's, cause he plays for the Knicks. I think he gets a bit more love cause they want Nick, they want someone from New York in it, but you look above mm. at above him, who's going to, who he's competing with. There's a lot of guards, man. Like I said, you got Tatum, you got um, Kyrie, Drew Holiday's in there, Donovan Mitchell, James Harden, Tyrese Halliburton's going to be in there. Brunson, oh, he might, he would, oh, he might be just. He'll, be, if I have to call it, I'm going to say fake news. He's not going to be an all star. Not going to be on the all star roster this year. I reckon he's going to be right on the bubble. He's going to be either the last one in or the last one out. It's a good question. I, I would say because of Halliburton and what he's doing this year. But like you said, Brunson's in New York and they want somebody, you know, from the Knicks in there. I I, I think it's going to be really hard, although they're tied with Indiana right now. So Indiana's one game up. up and down on Indiana's it. half a yeah. game up because they won so, 23 and 18, 22 and 18. I'm say Brunson's an all-star. I'm going to say what he's doing, he's, he's an all-star. But Halliburton, though, and then – you got to talk about Trey Young, and you got to talk about Kyrie, and you got. I'm putting him in before, Holiday as well. Before Trey Young, anyone below them, yeah, you know, like Atlanta shouldn't be in there. I mean, Atlanta, you're about to get your coach fired. He's Trey Young's probably yeah. going to make it too. That's going to be a sacrilege of it. I, I don't think he should. I, I'd put Brunson in over Trey Young. Okay, that's just me though. No, I mean that's that's yeah. I mean that's uh that's somebody that you got. I mean, pick Trey's numbers are sure. better. Just, Trey's numbers are better, but they're not winning. They should be way better. They've been together now a couple of years. They retooled their roster again. They brought back most of the same guys. Like they, they should be much better than than what they're nineteen and twenty one and getting your coach fired. That you know, in my opinion, and 
I mean, his numbers are, his numbers are, you look at his numbers and you're like all star, 27 and 10 a night. But I'd, I'd rather a winner. I'd rather Brunson with a little bit less numbers, but at least, at least you're winning games and the coach is going to get fired. All right. And then what's up? I mean, you know, you know how the shit show the all star voting is and the, the fans. I mean, like, I can't wait to talk about some of this stuff that, like, with the votes, I forgot, like, some insane guys that are getting good votes. Like this, like the NBA, like you, you have the days where your vote's worth three. No, it's a joke. Know, it's, such joke. Nights vote, it's a joke, man. It's a beauty because pageant. It, it's a beauty I, pageant. It's not a, it's not a, yeah. you know, it's, you know, you yeah. just pay your PA to go and go and do some votes for you at different places. <laughs> it's like, it's crazy. But it's, like, that's nuts. I, I've heard, I've heard NBA teams hiring like a fleet of interns just to like vote for guys, you know, constantly. You know, vote vote for their people. It's crazy. Yeah. Anyways, Anthony Davis has played sixty two percent of his game so far. Is he an? Will he be? Is he an all star? Forget about the league. Does Andrew Bogut, uh, voting agency, vote in Anthony Davis right now? And and let's not forget, he's averaging twenty seven and twelve, but he's only played sixty two percent of his game. No, I'm not. I'm not doing it just because they're not. They're not in the ten, right? I think they're now to eleventh now, haven't they? They're eleventh in the West. Mm-hmm. A team with LeBron and KD should not be eleventh in the West. Period. I don't care. I'm not. I don't want to hear it. They should be better than they are. You can tell me about the shooting. You can tell me about this, but um, and he's been hurt. So if he was healthy and they were even in eighth. He's in. He's a lock. But I think I value wins with All Star. I think he probably. I think he was still. I think he's going to get in per the league. They're definitely going to have two Lakers in there, and people are going to lose their shit because they're going to be like, "How? They, how's there two LA players when there's only when they're only tenth, eleventh in the league?" But um, I think he's a phenomenal player, but hasn't played enough games, and they haven't won enough games for me. So I'm gonna. I'm gonna say no. Last one, Bogues, and I'm gonna. I'm gonna put one player against another, and you tell me. Clay Thompson makes the all-star team over CJ McCollum. Now let me read you the stats because they're 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 insanely close in in in, in some regards. Clay's averaging 20.6, CJ 20.4. Rebounds, Clay 3.9, CJ 4.8. Assists, obviously, CJ's got more six to his 2.5. Field goal percentage. Clay 41-5, CJ 42-4. Free throw shooting, Clay, Clay's got him 89-8 to 79-8. Three-point shooting, 38-3 for Clay, 39-8 for CJ McCollum. Who would you put Clay Thompson? Or to you don't want to incriminate yourself with him, you could plead the fifth. I will I will accept you plead the fifth. <laughs> no, I won't plead the fifth. Look, I, I think. Right now, today, I think McCollum gets in based on their record. They're 24 and 16. They're playing well. If I'll yeah. say this. Clay's turned it on the last two or three weeks. If he continues this, mm-hmm. the human torch that he's had up until the end of January, early early Feb, not only is his numbers going to get better and he's going to cause more attention, they're going to win more games because he's playing well, then he'll, he'll have a chance to, to take out CJ. But as of today, I think 24 and 16, man, Look, you, CJ's done a fantastic job there. The Pelicans should be proud of where they're at so far. They've had injuries again. Zion's out. Ingram's been out a long time. They've had different role players yeah. at different times, and they've just continued to chug along. So Willie Green deserves a lot of credit there, head coach, and CJ's one of their main players. So they, they definitely need 
you know, an all-star if not two. And I think Zion should get in there. And the other one would be CJ. I think if Ingram was healthy, that they could have they could have been an arguing point. If they're still third, if they they might have got three in, maybe you know. But um, yeah, to your point, I'm not going to incriminate myself. I mean, Clay might be mad, but uh, <laughs> today no. But I'll tell you, the Clay's yeah. Clay's found something these last couple of this last couple of weeks. It seems like he's he shot his way out of it, and we all know all he needs is one of those those nights where he's where he hits forty, scores forty, scores fifty. And things start looking a whole lot better. So I'm I'm, I'm excited to, to watch the rest of their games once they start to get healthy this next couple of weeks and see Clay out there back to being the human torch that he is. Yeah, I'm going to say Clay over CJ, but it's really close. But you're right with like, you know, you don't even notice sometimes that Ingram's only played like 34% of his games. You know, I, I've totally forgot about that. Yeah. Like, I thought, yeah, he's been out for a couple of weeks and, and whatnot. But, like, no, like, you look at it, he's been out for a while. What What's going on? Is it a knee? Is I'm not it- sure what it is now. I can Google. I know he had – I know there was a concussion um, early, okay. early on, and I think he re-concussed. I think he got a concussion again. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, it might have been a leg injury. Um, let's see. Okay. So, saying he hopes to return in the next week. Um, that's all we really got. You know, that, that, what is it? A big, uh, big toe. Toe remains out for Friday. Oh. So, um, so he's missed the last 19 games. So, probably turf toe or something like that along those lines, or hopefully not a fracture or a break, but 19 games is a long time for a big toe. So, who, who would ever thought they were going to be third, Bogues, huh? I, I know. Mean, that's I, crazy. I thought they'd be competitive for sure. I had them in the mix because yeah. they're just so long and they got so, they got so many different lineups. They're missing. You know, if, if I was them, I'd, you know, go after a Bogdanovich from Detroit or someone like that. If they can just, Jordan Clarkson, mm-hmm. you just get someone off the bench that can provide another scoring punch for him, they're going to be very, very tough to stop. Um, you could argue, do they go after another defensive-minded big maybe with Fallon Tunis? I don't, I don't think so because I think they're going to go Zion at the five a lot as well. But I think they're a piece away from being a legit contender. Um, another year of, of of this playoff run will teach them a lot. And then if they can if they can be smart in the off season or even pre deadline, look out, man. They got they got a lot of good pieces there. So I'm I'm excited. But um, I wanted to finish on this pro. Have you watched the L- Last Chance Universities by any chance? Last Chance U. I've heard it's a complete sham, though. Like I heard the guy. Like I've watched the football one, like the first year of it, two years of it, and then I was gonna watch the basketball one. And the my guys tell me in that like the guy totally. This is why I don't believe in fucking reality TV. They said the guy like knows where every camera is and he completely like bullshits you like into the thing. It's a pretty interesting deal with the JUCO stuff in California and all that, but. uh I've heard the guy plays it up for the camera a little bit much, but it is an interesting, entertaining story, entertaining uh, TV for sure. I have not seen it. What are your thoughts on it, both? I, st- I started watching it a little bit um, just because I was like, you know what? I'll, let me let me check this on. It's basketball. He does put it on. Uh, he definitely knows where the cameras are. And he, but I mean, to me, it's like most most coaches in college um, to an extent do that. What I will say mm-hmm. is, man. These coaches should be paid millions. <laughs> these, junior, these junior college coaches, bro. I know it's dramatized and they add it, but that's it's pretty like junior college is a, a, a you know wait is it? I think it's community college. Yeah, no, um, it's the same thing. Jake, it's a JUCO, but it's a it's a yeah, no funds like budget. You know, JUCO, right? Uh, yeah. So I heard this. I, I learned the whole JUCO thing a long time ago. So. Like 
JUCOs are huge in like Oklahoma, Texas, um, you know, Oklahoma, Texas, Kansas. Those are the, that's like the national JUCO. California isn't part of that JUCO deal. Cal, like now the JUCOs in like Kansas and those guys, they give scholarships. They're like regular teams. Now they're in the middle of nowhere and all that, but they give scholarships. Um, with California, there's like 150 JUCOs in Cali, right? And they give no scholarships. It's all financial aid. So like they get around it a little bit, but they're in their own conference. They don't have a national championship. They have a state championship and uh, there's no scholarships. So, and then folks, the biggest problem is you've been out there. It's California. I did a clinic for my boy um, out near you actually in Golden State. I think it was like Menlo. Yep. It, it, it's uh, yeah, it's Silicon Valley. And he had me do like work out his team and then do a little coaches clinic for a bunch of area college coaches. Well, there was some Juco coaches out there in that area, in the Bay area guys making like 60 or 70, but because of like housing, the guy is in like a million dollar house and is basically upside down, could barely afford it because like all these Juco coaches, they make like 70, 80, 90,000, but the housing is so crazy in California and, and they can't afford it. Like it's crazy. It's insane. Now, some of these schools offer free housing, you know, which helps the coaches, but not a lot. It's California. But yeah. So tell me about the show, bro. Oh, well, again, well, I haven't seen yeah, it. Yeah. Well, whether the coach puts it on or not, my point is these, some of these JUCO coaches, you're dealing with, for people not familiar with what JUCO is, it might be a, a kid that's really good. It might be a kid that, that, that is a high school, like one of the best players in the high school class doesn't pass, like doesn't can't get a scholarship to a big-time university because he doesn't have the grades or it's kids that have gone to a big-time university and, and they're kind of, you know, not the greatest kids at that point in their life and they're hard to deal with and they just release and they end up going, you know, down on their dumps and end up in, in a JUCO. So these coaches, you know, they're there. This guy's making no money really. Like it's pretty obvious. You can't even get like hoops fixed and this, that and – no, 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 no athletic budget, you, you know. So you're just basically, you're, you're getting everyone's, it's harsh to say, but you're everyone's discarded trash, essentially. You're getting players that are good players, but they have massive, massive red flags or warts. And why well, I say they should be paid millions. Like he, there's a kid on the team um, that if he's, if he's not getting calls or he gets a few travel calls, he like checks himself out and just goes to the locker room, <laughs> just like, just like leaves, like, <laughs> like just, just doesn't want to play. Tells coach, I don't want to play anymore. Um, you know, obviously it's dramatized, but I can tell you, I've been around kids like that, teammates of mine and, and kids that have come through college programs and even trying out and, you, I've been I've been around guys like that in the NBA that you just can't reason like, hey man, just play this role. You're gonna make a living in the NBA. No, no, uh, you know, like coaches hating. Let me get in my bag. Let me show who I am. That kind of stuff. And it just reminded me of that. And I was just like, man, this as dramatized as it is, the coach that coach needs a lot of patience, man, because they're so talented. Some of these kids and and even even kids in that clip, like they're you know, obviously a little undersized maybe for D1. They might be like a 6'8", you know, five man, but super athletic. They could make a living somewhere in the world from basketball, you know what I mean? And um, I'm only early into it, but I just wanted to bring up that, you know, you see there's a lot of these coaches. Look, there is a lot of them out there that are that are shady as well, don't get me wrong, but there's a lot of them out there trying to do the right thing. And, 
every day is just a grind. And then, you know, this kid doesn't show up for practice for three days. No one knows where he is. Then he shows up when he wants. It's just, and, and they got to kind of deal with it because it's like, who else are you getting? And, and Mark Madsen was actually in it. And he was in the last episode that I watched. Uh, he's at Utah, <laughs> Utah Valley State. He was recruiting. <laughs> I'm like, wrong school to recruit at, buddy. <laughs> wrong school, yeah. Uh, they said uh, Bomber was in it, I've heard, like um, Steve Bomber. Oh, it wouldn't surprise me, jumping up and down, jumping up and down on the sideline. But Mark Madsen was there asking about one of their recruits and, and uh, you know, explaining to the coach that he's, you know, look, I coach in Utah and the girls there don't have sex till they're married. Will that affect your player? <laughs> I'm just like, what the? <laughs> it was hilarious. And the coach is like, no, 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 he's got a girlfriend. He's actually faithful too. So I think he'll be fine, you know, but decent show, dramatized like anything. It's 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 reality with a twist, but um, I'll let you know how it goes. Yeah, the problem with that stuff, Bogues, right? When I was with Grover, I don't know if I said this on the show, that um, somebody approached him about doing a reality show. You know, because we had like Eddie Curry, we had all these guys and, you know, we had a bunch of characters working out guys in the gym. And like, so I didn't know much about reality TV. This is probably like 2011 or 2010. And like, I thought it was like semi-real, semi-not, you know, so we, you know, we went in and they liked me because of course I'm swearing like, like not, me and Eddie Curry would go at it and uh, they would love when when I did that. And then all of a sudden they were like, all right, we want you to go in the back. You're going to have a conversation with one of your train, the trainers that work with you, you know, and I want you to talk about whatever, like Eddie Curry or whatever. So I started talking about Eddie to, to the trainer and then they cut the camera. I go, no, no, no. I want you to say this specifically. This is how he's going to react. And this is how you're going to react. I'm like, what the fuck? And they're like, no, no, no. This is how it, I, he goes. I said, this is how reality TV is done. He goes, every fucking show is scripted to the nine of like exactly what's talked about the reaction and what they were. I said, fuck this shit. Fuck this. I'm not, I'm out. Like, cause I just couldn't from that moment on, I just was totally off of reality. My wife watches some shit, but like, I can't do it. Cause it like from that guy's perspective that did a bunch of these shows, like from Kardashian or whatever, or whatever they said, it's all scripted like a hundred almost 99 percent of it's scripted i'm like ah oh, fuck this but bogues like the juco deal right that used to be a huge deal with prep schools now is almost destroyed prep school basketball i mean uh juco basketball it used to be guys like mookie blaylock larry johnson uh sean marion you know like a laundry list of big time players that played juco basketball but now because of like these sham prep schools that are all over the country that the people basically could just get their grades from anything. They'll just cheat their balls off. The JUCO is really taking a hit, but the California JUCOs are worse because they don't pay those guys anything. Fucking the standard of living's out of this world, but the players they got to deal with are completely misfits now. I mean, if you thought they got misfits back in like 2000, the misfits they got back then, they got nothing on the guys today that some of these guys got to coach. It's crazy. But like you said, they deserve a lot of money. Yeah, it's tough. It's tough. It's an interesting show and a lot of talent floating around the world. But there's the part of it is just putting it together and showing up and being professional and all that kind of stuff. But some of those some of those small schools, man, they up against it. Anyway, thanks for joining us again. It's been a couple of weeks. Hope everyone had great holidays. And um, we will continue to bring these out in the next couple of weeks, bro. Thanks. All right. Thanks, folks. Catch you guys later. Let's get rogue.